Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us, if our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you, and a happy and blessed Easter to you. This is the great day. This is the day of days. Everything else in Christian life flows from the resurrection of Jesus, and flows back to it. This is the cornerstone. This is the anchor. This is everything in Christian life. I've often said, when the first Christians came to preach, this is what they preached, Jesus risen from the dead. Every church ever built in the Christian world centers around Jesus risen from the dead. Every proclamation of any preacher, theologian, teacher returns to and is based upon this claim that Jesus is risen from the dead. Easter is our day. Easter is the great day. And the church asks us every Easter Sunday to meditate upon this magnificent passage in the 20th chapter of John's Gospel. Listen to how it begins. Early in the morning, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb she saw that the stone had been moved away. There are many parallels between the Gospel of John and the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The prologue to John's Gospel says, in the beginning was the Word, and through that Word all things were made. Furthermore, the book of Genesis says, that God separates light from darkness. Let there be light, the Creator God says, and there is light. In the prologue to John's Gospel, it says that Jesus is the light that no darkness can overcome. Throughout the Gospel of John, we see the theme of Jesus as the recreator of a world that had gone wrong through sin. Jesus repeating and recapitulating the great creative work of the God described in Genesis. So here, early in the morning, on the first day of the week, we're at the beginning. It's still dark, John tells us, like it was before the creation of light. And God said in Genesis, let there be light, and now a light is going to shine the light of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead, which is the recreation of the world. New life, new direction. We have been moving in one direction, now we're moving back the other way. All that is hinted at in this opening line. Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. She saw that the stone had been rolled away. A stone. So Jesus' body is placed in a tomb, placed on a shelf within this tomb, and then a great stone is rolled across to keep the animals and robbers and so on out. 
This mighty stone would take several men to move it in place. What's this stand for? It stands for the finality of death. This great stone that nobody could move. Death is final. It's absolute. It's the end. When somebody dies, when a loved one dies, the reason we grieve is that we have this deep conviction that we will never see them again. That somehow a barrier has been established that we cannot cross. It's as though a stone has been rolled across, blocking us permanently from this person. The stone stands, if you will, not just for grief, but it stands for this existential frustration that we feel in the presence of death. And so, it's been moved. Symbolically here we have the whole statement of resurrection faith. The barrier separating us, the barrier of death, the terrible finality of it, has been removed. What's Mary Magdalene's first impression? Undoubtedly that grave robbers had been at work. The beautiful irony of John's Gospel is, yes, a grave robber has been at work. The grave robber who is Almighty God. In the book of the prophet Ezekiel, God says, I will open your graves and have you rise from them. That was a great Old Testament hope. It was a promise. Now, on Easter Sunday morning, it becomes an accomplished fact. God opens our graves and he has us rise from them. He rolls back the stone, symbolizing the terrible facticity of death. Yes, the great grave robber has been at work. She runs and tells the disciples, especially Peter and John. And Peter and John run to the tomb, John arriving first. He looks in and he sees the burial cloths. Then Peter arrives, huffing and puffing a little bit later. He looks in the tomb, sees the same thing, the burial cloths. Listen now how it's described. He did not enter, but bent down to peer in and saw the wrappings lying on the ground. Presently, Simon Peter came along behind him and he entered the tomb. He observed the wrappings on the ground and saw the piece of cloth which had covered the head not lying with the other wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Now, Christians, why is this man telling us about the burial wrappings? Why this odd detail? He's about to proclaim resurrection faith, and now we have these two people noticing the burial wrappings of Jesus. First of all, to me, it signals the eyewitness quality of this story. It's one of those odd, quirky details that comes up when you are telling a true story. But secondly, and more importantly, and it's clearer actually in the Greek than in the English, they're noticing the odd way that these cloths are lying. If a grave robber had come, and that was probably their first suspicion, a grave robber has taken the body of Jesus. First of all, why would he bother unwrapping the body? Wouldn't he just spirit it away? 
But secondly, even if he had unwrapped the body, wouldn't he simply have tossed the burial cloth to the side? Wouldn't they have just been in a sort of unkempt position on the floor? The implication of this story is that the burial cloths were lying undisturbed. And the napkin that had been around his head was rolled up neatly and placed in another place. When they see this, they believe. What did they see? They saw this peculiar quality of the burial cloths that seemed to suggest that the body of Jesus had not been taken away, had not been extricated from these cloths, but that the body of Jesus had passed through them. As later, he will pass through the walls of the place where they were. Something about these cloths began to signal to them what had happened. Let me place, put it one step further. It is an indisputable fact that in these great Easter stories, what's being witnessed to is the bodily resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Now mind you, not simply the resuscitation of a corpse, like the, the resuscitation of Lazarus. Nevertheless, a bodily resurrection. We mean these stories aren't just nice literary symbols that point to the fact that Jesus has gone to be with God. They're not just symbolic accounts detailing the fact that the cause of Jesus goes on. Not just ways of talking about how Jesus continues to inspire his followers. Yes, that's precisely what I mean. It means none of that. It means none of that. What's being declared here is that Jesus rose bodily from the dead and is living a new and transformed life making that life available to us, his followers. Christians, you can sense it on every page of the New Testament. Look, if all they meant by the resurrection was his cause goes on, or it's another concocted myth of a dying and rising God, if that's all they meant, nobody would have taken them seriously. And their excitement would not come through on every page of the New Testament because they would have just been saying some old story. Instead, what we hear is the fact that they were bowled over by something entirely new, something entirely unexpected. New life, a new embodied life made possible through God's grace. Somehow, everything they'd ever thought about the world had to be rethought. Everything they'd ever imagined as basic had to be reimagined. Every road they'd walked down, they had to walk down a new way in light of this startling fact of Jesus risen bodily from the dead. We can hear it in our first reading, which is one of Peter's great sermons in the Acts of the Apostles. Listen to what he says. They killed him finally, hanging him on a tree, only to have God raise him up on the third day and grant that he be seen, not by all, but only by such witnesses as have been chosen beforehand by God, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. How come the risen Jesus appeared only to a few? 
Peter says it here, he didn't appear to everyone. The risen Christ did not appear on the top of the Mount of Olives and make himself universally available. He didn't appear to Pontius Pilate, didn't appear to Herod, didn't appear to all of his persecutors. How come Jesus appeared only to some, only to a few? John Henry Newman's answer, I think, is wonderful. Newman said it's because he appeared for the sake of mission. He wanted this news to go to the ends of the world, as indeed it has. If he had appeared universally to everybody, what would have happened? Oh, some would have been interested, some not. Some would have gotten it, some wouldn't have. Some would have been inspired and then have lost faith. But he appeared to a small coterie who knew him, who loved him, who had listened to him, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He appeared to that small group because he wanted to announce his word to the world. And that announcement would happen through the punchy and clear quality of this small group. Mission was his purpose. So Christians, on this Easter Sunday, let us be aware of the fact that Jesus is giving us the same mission. We who eat and drink with him on a regular basis, whenever we gather for the liturgy, we're eating and drinking with the risen Christ. He appears to us, so to speak, for the same purpose, that we might be galvanized in this mission to announce this startling fact, Jesus risen from the dead which changes everything, changes the way you think, live, see, act, changes the hope that you have for this embodied and transformed spiritual life on high. Announce it today. Announce it for the rest of your life. That's the call of Easter. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together, we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.